War on the Hockey Podcast, back with you for another episode. This week we are covering the Atlantic Division, part of our preseason preview, off-season grading. Uh, we've covered all three divisions prior to this one, Metropolitan, Central, and Pacific, given our grades, given our predictions, uh, where we see them falling within division. This week is all about the Atlantic, so Boston on through down to um, Toronto. Lots going on in this division. This is a good week to do it because since we recorded last, there's been uh, Trees Bergeron re- retired, which is going to change things for the Bruins a lot. <clears throat> Maybe not cap wise, but also have the, <laughs> which is going to take a while to discuss the long term injured reserve status of Matt Murray in Toronto. That's, to me, that's, they're not breaking any rules by doing it. No. But it's clearly a ploy to not have to do as much roster rearranging as they would have to do, given how much over the cap they are. If they bought him out, which they could easily do, they only get to save half of his cap hit on a buyout. Putting him on LTIR means they have to pay him the entire amount of his contract, at least for this year, but which they can do because they they get more money than anybody in the league. But they don't, you know, they don't have to pay anything against the cap. So they get all that money back on the cap that they can now use to get back to where they need to be. But they just don't have, they don't have to try to buy him out and then lose half of that money. So it, it works out great for the team. And like you said, it's not against the rules. It's no different than Nikita Kucherov being on LTIR all season and then having a miraculous recovery when the playoffs start. And watch how many times you're going to see this from now on. It's already going to happen with Mark Stone. Mark Stone will play part of the year, go on LTIR, and he'll be back on the roster for the playoffs. So other teams with giant cap hits like that, $9, $10, 11000000 million, you're going to see teams doing this all over the place. They're going to LTIR guys, which is within the rules. They'll be back for the playoffs when the cap doesn't count. Watch what happens with Mark Stone. Watch it with maybe uh, Sergei Bobrovsky. Watch with all kinds of guys that have monster cap hits that maybe even have trouble staying healthy, like a Mark Stone. So this is going to happen over and over until the Board of Governors steps in and gets with the PA and changes it. Correct. So we can complain about it all we want, but it's within the rules. So right, wrong, or indifferent. Anyway, so we're going to cover from Boston on the way all the way down through Toronto. Um, big things we're going to get to. We already discussed one: Matt Murray on LTIR, uh, Patrice Bergeron retired. So Boston's the first team we're going to cover. So um, Patrice Bergeron retired. We're also going to get down to um, the Ottawa Senators, who, since the last time we recorded, signed Tarasenko. So that that'll may or may not, depending on our notes and where where we have them, may or may not affect where we see Ottawa finishing. Um, so this, this division, um, like all divisions, but this division seemingly the most, uh, I was discussing with a friend, seems to be the hardest to pin down, yeah. with exception of the top couple teams, like the Central Division with Colorado and Dallas. Right. With the exception of, of your top teams in this division, the rest can kind of fall really anywhere uh, what was Bergeron's hit when he retired what was his what was his AAV do you remember I don't know 
um, it's not off the top of my head. If you if they have it anywhere on Cap Friendly, you can look it up. But um, off the top of my head, I can't remember. So we start with we start with Boston, right? We might as well jump right through that. Jump right so so jump right into it. Boston uh, lost Bergeron. He retired. They lost Orloff, signing Carolina. Um, they lost Bertuzzi, signing Toronto. They signed Shattenkirk. They signed Lucic. They signed Van Riemsdyk. Did you cover? Um, they traded Taylor, Taylor Hall and Nick Foligno. Yeah. We kind of we hinted on it off recording with some, some thoughts on it. Um, so far in the offseason, I'm going to give them an A-. minus. It's hard. They, they had to make changes. This is one of those teams where changes had to happen given the cap situation. So you had to see some players move in and out. It's just the way it is. Definitely. So based on the changes that were made and based on Montgomery as a coach and based on different factors, I'll give him an A- minus for the offseason. Changes had to happen, and for and given the changes, they're not horrible changes. So A- minus, A- minus for me, and I'd, I'd put them finishing third. I, and we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to them, but I put it, have them finishing third just simply because it's hard to bet against them until proven otherwise, but it's also hard to say Toronto and Tampa aren't your top two until proven otherwise. Um, the Bergeron the Bergeron departure is going to leave a hole in the roster. They've got four, five, six million dollars to tinker with right now. They don't have anybody that really is going to cause an upheaval to try to get signed. There's uh, they've got they got to sign Jeremy Swayman as of right now, but he's restricted. And the biggest problem is not going to be money. It's going to be where do you replace a guy like with the skill sets of Bergeron? And it, the answer is it can't be done. He's he's in a league with with Crosby. He's he's in a he's in a category with the very best two way centerman of the last twenty years, and you can't replace that. Agreed. Can't replace it. You can fill somebody in to add to the depth, but you're not going to be able to replace the value that Bergeron brought in your top six year in and year out for the past 20 years in Boston. You're just not. Um, now, is his departure enough to to kind of put Boston, maybe predicted-wise anyway, lower, finishing lower than third? Or, I mean, so things like that, because you can't replace it. So no. say, say, saying bringing Lucic back and bringing that big body physical energy, that's not going to do it. Listen. Van Riemsdyk is is a good middle six depth guy, but he's not going to do it. So is this enough to say another team jumps over Boston for for the top three in the division? I would easily say Florida does. And you may have to be on the lookout for teams like we, we were talking about off camera a couple of weeks ago looking at Buffalo and Detroit and teams that are on the rise, you're, you're not just missing Patrice Bergeron, you're missing Taylor Hall. You're, you know, if, and, and other injury up front, Brad Marchand has an injury, Pasternak gets injured, this team's out of the playoffs. So as good as Montgomery is and as much respect as we have for him, this team has, has become, the depth here has become really fragile since Bergeron left. Is it bad? Is it bad that I want them to miss the playoffs just so they're, <laughs> just so they're, um, fan base, but also also their broadcasters. Oh my gosh! <laughs> you know, get to go home early. Their their broadcasters are horrendously yeah. 
bad and not only that but they they bring a bad name to sports broadcasting with the overt bias that they have not the least of which along with the bias the the shaming that they throw at other players like with pat maroon yeah jack jack edwards is is it's just embarrassing i stopped years ago stopped listening to that guy can't stand him i had no axe to grind with the bruins but i will not listen to the bruins feed uh, because it's Jack Edwards, I the other the other issue is and and look we full marks to Don Sweeney over since Peter Shirelli left he inherited a little bit of a mess and he has done a masterful job with this roster they are competitive every year they won the President's Trophy they are they are contenders for the Cup every single year but will it, would it kill him to draft a Canadian? I think maybe Brad Marchand is the only Canadian left on that roster. Like, where are you where are you going with the the entire club is made up of Europeans? I'm Speaking of bias, <laughs> okay, fair enough. The Canadian bias is coming through with with this one over here. So, <laughs> well, listen, the, the, our, our most here's, here's our what I'm here's a cup here's, champion had sixteen. Maybe so, but here's what I'm going to say. Reigning Cup champion had 16, but who's had the longevity competitive-wise of the Boston Bruins, who, oh, by the way, doesn't really draft Canadians. <laughs> so, so, every night. so, you know, that's that's all I'll say about that. Anyway, so... I, I do not like what's happened to them in the offseason, not necessarily what they did, because I don't know how far in advance they saw the Bergeron retirement coming. But I don't, I don't like what they did. I don't like I don't like what they didn't do. So you wouldn't go as high as an A. I would not go as I I would give them nothing better than a C plus, and I'm not I'm not so sure they're going to get out of fifth or sixth in this division. I think so. They're just their depth is so fragile. Now we've got a few weeks before camp. There's still a stray or two out there that could be picked up to shore up some depth, but I don't know I don't know where you go to replace the faceoffs and the goals and assists and the two-way play, the defensive play of a guy like Patrice Bergeron. He's one of the best that we've seen in the, since, you know, since 2000, for sure. For sure, for sure. So C-plus, fifth place. Yep. Okay. Um, Buffalo Sabres. Buffalo. Buffalo Sabres. So they, they add my boy EJ. Yep. Speaking of bias, love EJ. <laughs> and But I think it's it's deserved bias. EJ is solid. Yep. And, um, it's a great career. Here's here's what here's what I'll say. To me, they're missing on the back end. There's some question marks on the back end. With all due respect to Rasmus Dahlin, they picked up Connor Clifton, which is good. Uh, Eric Owen, Johnson is good. Owen Power, Rasmus Dahlin, um, Labushkin, Clifton. That's solid, but nothing screams at you. And one of the qu- things that has plagued them over the years is their defensive ability. They've proven over the past few years that your Jeff Skinners, your your um, Alex Tucks, your Tage Thompsons yeah. can put the puck in the net. Absolutely. Their issue has been goaltending and on the defensive side of the puck. It's e- EJ, even though he's 35, even though he's on, at that point in his career, even though he's one guy, to me what, what that signing screams is they are going to lean on him in a major leadership role on the back end yep. to do what he did for 11-plus years in Colorado, and that is stay at home, block shots, eat ice time, penalty kill, 
and and really hone in these young, talented defensemen that Buffalo does have in Owen Power and Rasmus Dahlin, and and hone them in to not only move the puck up the ice, but also ground them positionally so that you're looking at the Buffalo Sabres as 23-24 playoff participants rather than rather than on the outside looking in because their plus minus was horrendous or because they just they couldn't keep the puck out of the net. You touched on the goaltending and I agree with you. Their goaltending needs to be better. We'll see whether Pekka Pekka Pickle Peppers is a full-time NHL goaltender if he can carry the weight or if they're going to go out to the market and pick somebody up, which I believe they need to do. And they've got the space to do it. There's a couple of things on this roster that are going to stand out. One of them is I've got to I got to see whether Don Granado can teach this team to play fundamentally sound. They were painful defensively last year as a unit, not just goaltending. Their defensemen and their forwards, some of the some of the defensive lapses were just awful to watch, and they're better than this. So there's fundamental performance, which is on the coaching staff and the leadership of the players. There's a goaltending question that's got to be answered. And there are a couple of guys that really need to step into their potential. One of them is Henry Yokoharu, who came over from Chicago. Great upside, very underrated guy. Rasmus Dahlin and Owen Power, number one overall picks. They need to start being legitimate one-two defensemen. Up front, they're going to have to start to see performance out of young guys like Peyton Krebs. They picked up Tyson Jost, who we like a lot. Casey Middlestat is better than what he has played over the last few years. So there are some guys on this roster that really need to step into their potential. And we've got to get the fundamental problems resolved, and that's the coaching staff. And we've got to see whether or not the goaltending tandem of Comrie and Lukanen is going to be able to hold up. EJ plays that way, though. And exactly. so I'm convinced that, that that part of the reason why they were so keen on not only signing him, but signing him for $3 million rather than the typical 35-year-old league minimum no. was that he of what they're confident he can provide on the back end, which to me screams a team that is aware of some of their flaws right on. and shortcomings. And now EJ, even though he's one guy, can come in and help hone in these first overall draft picks, which, by the way, EJ was. Yep. And and bring them to their potential That's that right. maybe EJ plays how he did. And it gives the stability to an Owen power and Erasmus Dahlin to move the puck up the ice with a little more confidence because EJ's back there right. and he can help Labushkin and Clifton and these guys really right. be stable at stay at home defensemen and power and Dahlin can, can do what they do best. They a la Kale McCarr and move the puck up the move ice. The puck. Exactly right. The only thing to me that Power and Dalene are missing, and this is this comes to personal discipline for them, is they are as first overall picks. They are missing what a Kale McCarr has. Kale McCarr's pure strength and and physical ability is tremendous. Yeah, and They're... and he's and he's able to move the puck up the ice, but make solid defensive plays as well. And there and that's what. Power and Darlene are are capable of first overall picks, solid, solid defensemen, but it's what they're missing. Right. It's why you never see. It's why you never see him. And Power's different. He's been in the league for two a year, two years. Yep. Um, nonetheless, though, it's part of the reason why 
you don't see him in the top five of Norris finishing. And I don't want to give more credit to to NHL awards than they deserve. No. We've been gone down that rabbit hole, but it's why you don't see him as the top of the league of of defensemen statistically because they just they're they don't bring that le- that game level that you would expect from That's right. from solid first overall draft picks. So to be fair to those guys, they're lacking what Kale McCarr has, which every other defenseman in the in the world is lacking what Kale McCarr has. So there's that. This EJ is getting paid three million bucks. He's getting paid the league minimum to play defense and be a right hand shot. He's getting paid the extra two million dollars to make sure that there's stability on that back six because that's what he brings. He, he's he's a right now at this point in his career, he's probably a B minus physical player on the ice uh, with his you know his speed and everything else. But his experience, his leadership, his cup win. That's he's an A plus in all that, and his defensive hockey IQ is yes, is exactly huge. Yeah. And and I'm convinced at this point in his career, we, you make the argument with EJ, you know, oh, would you go back and draft him first overall? Maybe not, but I'm convinced the reason why he was even a top five pick, let alone first overall, in his draft year, was because of that hockey IQ. Let's give St. Louis enough credit where credits due that they were smart enough to see that. And they drafted hoping he would provide that. And, so, it, and it, he just didn't come. Like defensemen tend, tend to do, they tend to blossom later. He just didn't come into that hockey IQ until he'd already been traded right. and five or six years into his career. And now he really stepped up. But they saw hints of that during his junior and NCAA days and drafted him as a result. Let's give that credit where it's due. Correct. So I've got, I'm going to give them for their offseason grade – I'm going to give them an incomplete. You're giving them an incomplete. I, so I because they haven't done anything yet. We've not as of right now. So not not a B, not anything like that. I just they haven't they haven't turned in all their homework yet. So an I. Yeah. Let's give them an I. An incomplete. Right. They uh. just it, it, until they address the goaltending. Um, I do like what they did with Eric Johnson. So yes, that I guess so far so good, and. You know, he's not a he's not necessarily a game changer, but he is part of what they need, which is defensive fundamental play. So maybe incomplete's unfair. I, I'd give him a B minus or a C plus based on Eric Johnson signing until they address the goaltending or until we get 25 games into the season and we see whether Lukanen can carry the weight. May may have not addressed the big needs and they are they that team as a five-man unit has got to start playing fundamentally sound hockey and they just haven't been correct where do you see them finishing b b minus grade for the offseason we put boston fifth um just because it's hard to see them really overcoming and this is mad respect to bergeron as a result overcoming the loss of a patrice bergeron yeah so fifth place potentially depending on seating and things maybe even missing the play, playoffs yeah so where do you see Bo- Bo- or boston buffalo finishing this is this is one of those teams and we'll get to the rest of them but there are three or four teams in this division that could be that could be anywhere from third to seven so i'm gonna for the time being until i see what kind of a game they're going to play from a fundamental standpoint and what their goaltending looks like, I'm going to put them in the six hole. 
So just behind Boston. Yep. Okay, sixth place, Buffalo Sabres, Detroit Red Wings. So they 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 had a good off season. Yes. You can't you can't argue that. So let's let's say it. Let's give them the grade we know they're deserving of, at least on paper for their off season. Yep. Let's give them an A. They brought in JT Comfer. They brought in Shane Gostisbehere. They brought in DeBrinket, Clem Costin, yep. uh, Daniel Sprong, Christian Fisher. They've they've got Justin Hall on the back end. Yep. Uh, they brought in DeBrinket via trade. They they did trade Kubalik for DeBrinket. Um, so Kubalik, but we'll, Kubelik we'll get to we'll get to Ottawa in a second. Kubalik right. will fit well in Ottawa, I think. Yes, he will. Um, so to me, to me, they've had a really good off season. The question for me, and I'll give him an A. The question for me on seeding or on the steps that they're taking comes down to one: all those new pieces, how do they mesh? Right. And two, because chemistry is a big, big deal. Like we saw the struggles for the Colorado Avalanche year last year just because of the injuries. Yep. The amount of injuries, and so lineup chemistry is huge absolutely huge is. huge huge that's why you go out and sign a jonathan drew in because you're confident he's going to have the chemistry of nate mckinnon Correct. so chemistry being one and two the big one goaltending Ville huso and james reimer those two on their up to this point anyway on their best day they are one a backups both bo- both of them right. with with plenty of space plenty of space to prove themselves and so you got both of them. You got two of them. What can their goaltending do? Now, at this point in the offseason, there's still plenty of time left. Do they make a trade? Do they make another signing? What's their cap space? You have cap friendly open. What's their cap space They've like? They've got $7 million. $7 million left in cap space. So maybe you go out and, and, and make a trade and bring in a goaltender, a Connor Hellebuck, something like that, right? right. So now, wow, okay. Maybe they're not cup contenders at that point, but wow, Detroit is back where you expect Detroit to be. Until until the goaltending is proven or until they do something to to shore up their goaltending, that's the big, big question mark for me. So their their best, their most capable defenseman is twenty two. They are they go between guys like Gostaspare, who's mobile and, and good with the puck. To Sherratt and Hall, who are who have, let's face it, pretty heavy feet, both of them. Mort Sider is two years or three years from being in his prime, and he's a he's a superstar defenseman in the making. Up front, they're solid. They've got they've got twelve middle six forwards. They lack game breaking ability. They're they've got Fabry and Perron. Uh, Dave Perron's one of the best finishers we've seen in a long time. Dylan Larkin's still got good speed. Debrinket is a good finisher. Andy Kopp is uh, is a great three hole center. That, that's a good point. Their lineup is their lineup is this. They, and if you look at it objectively on paper, it's hard to argue otherwise. Their lineup is a lineup full of good, solid middle six depth. Exactly. And until, middle middle six depth that provides the necessary secondary scoring. Right. What they are missing is the game breaker level of of the undisputed top line, the undisputed top three. Right, 
Larkin can slot in there, maybe Debrinket, but you're missing that that Stamkos Kucherov pairing. You're 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 missing the McKinnon Rantanen pairing. You're missing the you know what I mean, and that's what you're missing. Exactly, but they're not missing the ability to maybe put six 20 goal scorers on the ice this year. Oh, for sure. There, so, and that's something not a lot of teams can do. This team can score in depth. Can and that can probably will? Can They're that depth? Can that depth though lead them to where they want to be <laughs> at this point without a game breaker? Playoff team, no. Too many questions to be answered on defense. Too many questions to be answered in goal. They probably are going to be able to score goals, and I, I think what Steve Eiserman has done in the last two years there is nothing short of, of fantastic. Let's see what Derek Lalonde can do with this roster. Yeah. This is one of those. This is one of those, anywhere from third or fourth to seventh or eighth teams. So you you don't you don't see him being yet anyway a playoff team. I don't. So at that point, here's my question, and that, because this is where I'm leaning as a result: fourth place or seventh place? Because it, just for the sake of our predictions, if it falls where where we have it so far, Boston Buffalo five six. So. If they're not a playoff team, fourth or seventh? Probably seventh. I still, I'm not a buyer yet. I, I like what they've done. Full marks to Stevie. Um, good, solid roster. Until we see, until we see differently, this is still a team that's going to struggle because this is just one of the strongest divisions out there. So you're every night you're playing Buffalo, yep. Boston, Florida, Toronto. Toronto. So let's let's give credit this way too. They're not a playoff team, seventh place. But if they are remotely in the hunt, come trade deadline with seven million in cap space, you could see I, Stevie Y make a big splash to get them over the hump and at least squeak a wild card spot in. They're probably that that type of that type of potential and that type of right on the edge there. That that type of stuff. So seventh place finish where we, where we see him finishing, but could easily jump into a fourth place wild card spot yeah. if they are five to eight points out at the trade deadline, and Stevie Y wants to wants to take that shot with they, seven million in cap space. They better hope that Billy Huso doesn't bust a groin. And I I love James Reimer. He's a great kid. He's had a good solid career. I don't think he has ever proven himself to be the guy that can carry you through March, April, and May. So good backup, good guy, but they if something happens to Huso long term, trouble. And but up front, like I said before, they've got so much depth up front in good solid 2025 goal scoring players that that won't hurt them. They've got to they've got to make sure that this lineup in on the on the six guys on defense have got to play solid. What's their pipeline look like? Because my per per your point, their depth, their the depth that they have is which is good and bad depending on how you want to look at it. To me it's it's bad simply because they're not a, a playoff competitive team just yet. No. So as a result, their major depth pieces are already everyday NHL roster spot players. Correct. So their depth is coming from the lineup. So so come trade deadline and you're six points out, who do you have in the A that you can bring up to provide that energy, to provide that spark? There's who two do you, kids. Who do you have that, that can do that? Because 
and injury-wise too, because your depth is already everyday NHL players. Yeah. Any of them go down, who's, who can fill in and, and provide the same level of production? Up front, it doesn't concern me because they are just that deep they and it's not it's not like it's not like an injury to Clem Costin is going to cripple their goal scoring ability but this is an underrated kid just as an example Daniel Sprong the same way Christian Fisher the same way there are a lot of real solid kids that can probably put up 15 or 20 easily up front they're fine if they start to get star star quality play out of Valeno and Raymond uh, Lucas Raymond you you know Debrinket can score up front. They've just got a lot of depth, and they're they're solid as can be. Their pipeline has two stars in on defense, but they're twenty years old. William Wallender and Simon Edison. These guys are. If I know Stevie Y, these two kids may be three years from seeing the light of day. In well, the way show. the way Stevie Y handles things, a, you saw it in Tampa, you saw it in all that stuff, and and it's been the way Detroit's done it. For yeah, for basically since the inception of the organization, yeah. even without Stevie Wise, the general manager, the way they've done it is they slow cook their prospects. Absolutely, Ken so like you, you didn't you didn't see Holmstrom until Holmstrom was mid twenties, right. right? So if Stevie Wise keeps that tradition, you're you're really. I won't say only two because there can obviously with any organization be some some surprises. Oh, sure, but at least on paper anyway, you're only two star prospects are only 20. So if Stevie wide, no matter where you are in the standings wants to maintain those prospects and let them cook, no matter what your standings look like, you won't see them until they're 25. (laughs) Very well. 23, 25. So unless they develop quicker than normal. Right. And hence my point, right. Of, your your pipeline, like a number of organizations, not just Detroit, but your pipeline is depleted to the point where all your all your quality depth prospects are already everyday NHL players. Right. So what happens if two or three of them go down with an injury? What happens with this or that? That's that's my only question, depth wise for Detroit. If things if they don't change the roster from today, which they probably won't and shouldn't, something goes really bad on defense. These kids, Wallander and Edmondson, are going to get thrown into the deep end of the pool. Right. As as is Sebastian Cosa, who is a real star in the making in goal. Big giant kid out of the Western League. So, the but these guys are all twenty years old, uh, and it's just out of character for Stevie to bring them along early. Moritz Sider is an exception because he's an exceptional talent. So is Lucas Raymond. They came along early. Raymond's twenty one. Sider's twenty two. Didn't Cider also though play like Austin Matthews though in the European pro leagues? I believe so. Even so, even at did. eighteen, he was playing against grown men. Yeah. So that pushes the development up a little bit, right? Yep. So. So I'm gonna. Where Where are you gonna put him? If you like him at, at Detroit, I'm gonna give him an off season grade of an A. It's hard to argue that with the pieces the pieces they've added to complement the prospects that they already have cultivated, right? Yeah. Um. But I'm gonna put him seventh place until okay. until proven otherwise. Finishing yep, finishing seventh. That's fine. Um, and but but like we mentioned earlier, could very well come trade deadline be four or five points out of wild card spot, and with seven million in cap, or depending on an injury, or depending on this and that, make a splash at the deadline. 
to help push them at least into a playoff berth. Do you, one last question on them before we move on. Do you see them at 4.7 for Philly Huso? I don't see these guys being players for Hellebuck or John Gibson, either one. Not with that kind of money. That that would put them in the close to $10 million in net. I don't see it. Well, trade deadline, what you'd have to do is you'd have to move one of them. Right? You'd have to you'd have to clear out Huso or Reimer. Yeah, then they just Huso. They you'd just have to you'd have to clear out you'd have to clear out Huso and Reimer to get a goaltender, and that's if they're if at the deadline their target is a goaltender. It may that. or may not be, but no, for the sake of our argument, that's what they'd have to do. Unless Huso gets a long term injury, God forbid that. But they it's, just signed him to four point seven for long term, so he's he's not going yeah. anywhere. Welcome to the cap argument, where the Avs are in the same position, where if they they want to get another defenseman, which you could argue maybe they need, unless McDermott is an everyday s- s- rostered defenseman. Well, the only way to really do that cap wise is move Sam Gerrard at five million. Needs to be done, right? So, so, welcome to the argument you have to make at trade deadline or free agency, off season or mid season, that you have to look at cap wise with any roster, right? So that. But nonetheless, my point is they could seventh place, but they could be within reach. Well, look, as as we we're, we're going to end up saying it over and over on this podcast, there are there are four or five teams in this division that could be in solid third, or they could be fighting Montreal for eighth. Right, right. So, a a off season seventh place finish in in the Atlantic for for the Detroit Red Wings. Yep. Florida Panthers. Um, rock solid up front. Rock solid no up front. There. They add. They add Erod, yep, which is a solid middle six guy. Yep, um, a friend of ours in a group text chain is not a fan of his. Um, <laughs> I maintain that he's a solid middle six depth goal scorer who can who can provide. He just needs to be in the right spot. You need That's to put him in the right spot. And the injuries in Colorado didn't do that. No, because what that did was it thrusted Erod to a top line winger role. Yeah. Which he he's not cut out for as much as well as he produced with Sidney Crosby in Pittsburgh. He's not cut out for that. What he is is he's a second or third line depth winger. Yep. If you pair him with J.T. Comfer and Logan O'Connor, that's where he fits. He's and unfortunately, due to the injuries, it was just not possible. Asking too much. So if you put him if you put him with the right pieces in Florida, I think this is a a, a steal for the Florida Panthers to get Erod in free agency. But nonetheless, so they added Mike Riley. Yep. They added um, Evan Rodriguez. They brought. They have Bobrovsky and Stolarz in net. Spencer Knight is still clinging around, um, but he's having some off season or off ice issues. So there's that. Um, Josh Mahura, you got um, Forsling. Brandon Montour. You did. You did bring in here. Ekman Larson. Um, that screams. Take a flyer on him and see what he can do. Yeah, for two point two, uh, it's not a huge risk, but you know, defensively, if Aaron Ekblad could give us a full season and play healthy and see what he can do, this is a guy who is again because of injuries and and who knows other otherwise why, he's never quite lived up to potential, and he certainly never lived up to seven point five million for the long term. Montour and Mahura both are getting giving you better mileage on defense than 
Aaron Eckblad, and I got nothing against the guy. He's been a great player since he was 12, but he's got to he's got to put together a, a healthy year. Otherwise, you've got you're, you're well coached. Mo is a Mo's a tremendous guy and a tremendous coach, but you're going to have to make sure that Ekman Larson and Forsling and Kulikov uh, that these guys don't let you down. So if they do, if these guys play solid. I think Stolars and Bobrovsky and Net are good, and you probably better play Stolars a little more this year uh, and give Bob some time off at 34 years old with three years left at 10 mil. But, yeah, this is, a, this is another team that I, I really like, and I think by default they're going to jump into third. All right, they've, they've done very little in the offseason except sign Rodriguez. Uh, but, and wait, 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 wait. You like the Florida Panthers? I didn't say that. Hold on, hold on. Southern Florida, Miami, yes. the Heat, barely gets four thousand people in the in the stands, and you're saying you like you like what they look like. They come along better now. Even they're even starting to put some fans in the upper part of the bowl. So you're going to upset our buddy Z Diddy here. I know because he's he's a if I remember correctly from conversations we've had, he's a season ticket holder for the Panthers. Oh, which. Love you, Z Diddy. You can afford because the cost of him is like what? What's the cost of season now, tickets for the Panthers? Ha 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 ha. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, ha ha. Throw throw the shade. Anyway, um, but no. On paper, they look like a pretty solid team. So yeah, they're going to be um, because of the just at the the Bergeron retirement alone puts them into third place. Third, third. You have them finishing third, top yeah. three, top three in the division. Um, I like it. C. For a grade in the off season, yeah, B minus. No, I'd, I'd I'd say C because again, with the exception of a few pieces here and there, you didn't need to make changes. Florida's there for the playoffs right. until proven otherwise. You don't need to make changes no. for the sake of changes. So you don't need to give them a low grade because they didn't do much outside of Evan Rodriguez. No, but you also don't need but to they... give them a, a big grade because nothing nothing screams game breaker signing type of. Tarasenko signing or or anything like no. that, so you can't give them necessarily an A. No. Um, so they didn't need to, but they, they didn't. The they, right, they didn't need to. So I'll give them a C grade and a third place finish. Yep, I think they're fine. And then you know, part of that is just total respect for Mo as a coach, and um, you know, and part of it is that you know Boston is probably. I, I don't know how they did what they did last year. We've talked about this a lot, but hats off to Monty and and the rest of that team for picking it up you know, through a ton of injuries to. The key guys, but they're um, yeah. I think Florida's a third place team, solid. Here's 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 a stat for you though. Before we transition, speaking of Florida Panthers, um, along with the Tampa Bay Lightning years ago when they got swept by Columbus, who is the only team to have fifty five plus wins in a season and win a Stanley Cup? No, run that by me again. Only team to have 55-plus wins in a season and win a Stanley Cup. Every other team bounced in the first or second round. Montreal. No. Colorado. Oh. Why was I looking so far back? They were the only, they're the only team to have 55-plus wins in a season. If I remember correctly, they had 56. And, went on and played the same way all the way through the playoffs to finish 12-4 and four in the playoffs and win the Stanley Cup. Well, Tampa Bay Lightning had 60-plus wins yeah. and got swept by and Columbus. Swept. Florida 
or no, not Florida. Sorry. Don't want to say it's actually Boston. I was thinking Florida because Florida beat Boston. Boston last year had 60 wins, I think, 58 or 59 wins, and got bounced by Florida in the first round. And Florida the year before. Correct. So it's an interesting stat I found where they're the only, Colorado's the only team, to be fair, because I could very well be wrong, I won't say in history, but I'll say in recent history. Right. No, no. Just to be fair, I could be very well, very well could be history, but for the sake of objectivity and at least creating space for potentially being wrong about it, I'll say recent history, Colorado's the only one with 55 plus wins in a regular season and a Stanley Cup. Interesting fact. Let's go on to Montreal. (laughs) (laughs) Transitioning to Montreal. Yeah, we got to, we got to come up with a better word than transitioning. Transition, transition. So anyway, Montre- this, is, this is a team that th- this shouldn't take long. Montreal could be a team that c- could stand a transition into a playoff team. Definitely, and they're they're built they're built pretty well. But pretty well is going to get you eighth place in today's. Pretty well, but here's what I'll say too, and I've, I've said this before. Part of the problem, and it seems to be something in the water. It seems to be the way they like it, and I'm a hundred percent an advocate advocate for it to the extent that the game is kind of going that way. But who who on their roster, with exception of Josh Anderson, is above six feet tall? <laughs> Not many. You've got Joel Armia is a pretty good-sized guy. Kirby Dak is 6'3 or so. Um, solid guys. But, yeah, they're, they're just – they're not built very big. And as much as I like Josh Anderson – and as much as I like this forward group, they've got their nine deep in really, really good sturdy forwards if they can stay healthy, which was a problem last year. Correct. On defense, Matheson, Savard, big guys. Caden Gooley, uh, there's some, they've got some big dudes on defense, but they're going to have trouble getting the puck forward. Correct. So they're, as we've talked about before, some of these guys are going to have a real problem not coming back clear into their the bottom of the circle in their own end to go get the puck because their defensemen are just too forecheckable. Correct. So I, I don't like them on defense. Their goaltending's a question for me. Question marks. Carey Price is, is gone. Now, Carey Price hasn't officially announced retirement. Correct? Well, he maybe, maybe not. I don't know from a league standpoint. I think he has... Re- he's uh, dropped hints in interviews where he's kind of like, nah, I'm going to be with my family. and uh, I'm gonna, So he more than likely will not be back. Um, so as a result, kind of a la Detroit, Jake Allen and Sam Montebo are B or 1A level goaltenders who are now having to carry the load. Right. So and until until you they either prove themselves or you go out and get a proven goaltender, that's the big question mark for me in Montreal. They don't have the space to do that right now. And... Look what they have. Here are the question marks sitting in the trainer's room. Cole Caulfield, Sean Monahan, and Slakovsky. And th- those are three huge pieces up front that we don't know if they're going to be wrapped up in duct tape when the season starts or if they're going to be healthy. So that's too much question. Um, in addition to the fact they have no space to buy a goaltender, they have a little bit unproven goaltending in, like you said, both of those guys being B, B quality guys. I don't know who's going to carry the load. Jake Allen's been a good goaltender for a long time, but you can't be good 
in today's world. This is gonna this team could easily finish last, especially if they don't stay healthy. They get you know Brandon Gallagher last year was was out long term. They they've got some ability up front, but they've got to stay healthy and they've got to get good goaltending. And they just simply don't have the space to go get what they need on defense or in goal. So let's let's throw them into. Uh, I'm going to have to give them a C minus yeah. in the off season and throw them into eighth place. New Hook's a good addition, but um, nothing about New Hook as much as I love Newey or anything they've done screams we're taking the next step. So to me, eighth place in the division, and I'll give them a C for the off season. C, C for the offseason, eighth place. Ottawa Senators. Now, this this one. Here we go. Uh, you probably Now, prior to the Tarasenko signing. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to give Tarasenko enough credit to say he's that big of a game breaker. No. But he's a solid goal scorer. Yep. He is. He not, is. Nonetheless, though, prior to the Tarasenko signing, I would have put Ottawa probably sixth or seventh. Just objectively fair there um but you add tarasenko with acquiring kubalik yep pull up their forward group for me you add tarasenko with stutzla with kachuk claude Giroux's solid leadership batherson. now you have tarasenko you have drake batherson uh, matthew joseph you add kubalik in the in the um trade with detroit you have shane pinto if he can be healthy yep I mean this that is, that's that's a I I won't say at all they are remotely playoff competitive yet, but they are they're there to compete for it. I'm gonna on guess, pa- on paper. You, you probably think that we are two teams away from me getting all googly and and gushy, <laughs> right? But this is the this is my team in the division. I'm gonna I'm gonna poke these guys into the four hole. I think what they've done is tremendous. They've done a great job in the draft. On you just went through their forward group, which is which is extremely sturdy, probably an A minus forward group, if they're healthy. On defense, Jake Chikrin, Thomas Shabbat, Zub, who's been solid. Eric Brandstrom is a coming up stup- superstar. Travis Hamanick is an Eric Johnson type. Jake Sanderson and Jake Bernard Docker, both of them budding superstars i honestly this is this is as good of six kids on defense as you're going to find corpusalo signed if josh norris gets healthy like this is a this is a heck of a team i i like these guys to finish fourth in the division i like them to make the playoffs here's here's what i'll say fourth for division potentially wild card maybe third in the division over florida Definitely, definitely a playoff spot if they can prove themselves. If this if this roster, if this lineup proves to be what you think they could be on paper, then I'll say, oh wow, watch out for Ottawa. Mm -hmm. Until, but otherwise, they're a little unproven still. Oh, all due all due respect to Giroux, all due respect to Brady, they're very much unproven, and so until otherwise. I can't necessarily say it's a lock for the playoffs, and I can't necessarily say they finish top three. Just, so I'll put them fourth. I believe it's time. I believe they're going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to be a wild card team. I think they're going to be horrible to play against. This is a fast, large, nasty team, and I really, really like that about them. I'll so, give them a B off-season grade. Yep. 
and four, fourth season, fourth finish. Tampa Bay. Now, Tampa Bay and Toronto are the two teams here where, kind of like Dallas and Colorado in the Central, could finish 1-2 really either way. Most likely. Until proven otherwise. Yep. That seems to be the common threat. It's um, theirs to win. It's, yeah, it's Tampa's division to win, and it, and it's theirs to lose if you if you based on the same t- the same coin yeah right the other side of the same coin um tampa bay they lose uh ross colton to colorado right uh they re-sign tanner janot they bring in connor sherry yep. they already have brandon hagel anthony sorelli's there stamkos quality braden point is braden point kucherov is kucherov um they lose belmar he signs in seattle they have sergachev headman Cernak, Bogosian, Calvin DeHaan is a quality depth defensive piece. Hayden Fleury to me is a sleeper on the back end. So is Darren Radish. And so is Radish. Yep. Those two are sleepers in terms of tremendous potential if given the ice time and opportunity to really grow into what I'm sure people hope or think they could be. Correct. Uh, Vasilevsky, again, until proven otherwise, that's just hard to beat. So Vasilevsky and then Jojo. I like Jojo. That's a he's, big pickup. He's proven to be a quality backup. If he can take 20 or 25 games away from Vassy this year, that's going to really make a difference uh, come May. Correct. So this is, a, again, this is a, a great team until they prove otherwise. They are as well coached and as well led as anybody in the National Hockey League. Correct. And let's not forget they moved Patty Maroon to Minnesota. Right. So, um Real, real, real quick for for Tampa for me, B plus finish, B plus grade in the off season, and first or second in the yep. division. Yep, exactly right. First or second easily, and and a B plus for the off season. The Geno sign, the Sherry ad, yeah, they're they're going to be fine. Toronto, who? <laughs> the only AHL team to belong in the <laughs> NHL. Um, <laughs> So, so uh, quick statement from our, our friend Zach here. Um, he wanted me to tell you, and I'll tell you on recording because I know he's listening. If you ever want to convert from being a Toronto fan, just know there's power in the name of Jesus. Okay? There you go. Oh, well done, Zach. Um, so Toronto. So you have... And now this is the interesting one because, again, now we touched on Matt Murray. They're they're leaning into the LTIR loophole here. Yep. Nonetheless, though, they are still over the cap. So you still have some money questions. So, as a result, and we kind of t- touched on this a bit last week, not on recording, but last week as well as in passing, you think Tavares could be, could be a piece that you move out instead of Nylander. I don't, which is a change of pace for you over the years, given your criticisms of Willie Nylander. My argument for you is, I think we can both agree Willie Nylander is not a ten million dollar guy. No, but you move John Tavares or you do anything like that to show that you're willing to sign Nylander. All of a sudden, you lose any leverage with Nylander because now Nylander knows he's not going anywhere, and you want him, right. and so he'll continue to ask for ten million or more. And so you're going to have to give it to him at that point. So you LTIR Matt Murray. Okay, great. Maybe you move TJ Brody. Awesome. All right. 
you still need maybe one or two more to be moved. So you think it could be Tavares just simply from what he's provided so far? I honestly, he's he's overvalued at $11 million. I love the guy. He's a great kid. He's had a great career. The game is beginning to pass him by. He's solid, but you can't pay $11 million for solid. He's not... He's not a buyout candidate for the, he's not a, you can't put him on waivers. So as much as I would like to convert that $11 million into more production or, a, or some cap space, he's not going anywhere. I don't, the only, the only thing that they probably need 2 million bucks, two or two and a half to get to the cap, which can be done with lesser buyouts. So Maybe buy out TJ Brody. I don't think anybody's going to pick him up at $5 million. Put him on waivers. He's 33. Take take a half take half of his cap, and then you're fine. Otherwise, they're good. They're fine up front. I, I like this, the longer-term signing. They've got three years of Matthew Nyes, who is a big kid. Ryan Reeves. They kept Sam Lafferty. Be, they kept Sam Lafferty. Ryan Reeves probably should be the league MVP. Because by the end of the year, Nylander and Marner and all those guys are going to be playing like they're six foot eight. Is Revo is Revo is a huge addition. I love the signing of Tyler Bertuzzi and Max Domi. Those two guys are grit. They're front of the net nasty, even though they're not all that big. Is Yarn Crow the, the odd man out then? If you if you try and keep everything else at status quo, I don't. Man, he's just because I'm just I'm, I look at it. They just re-signed Camp. You're not right. going to put the money to Camp, and if and, you're just going to waive him or buy him out, they already brought in Domi. You're not going to see anything with that. Same with Bertuzzi. So don't even discuss them. Right. Nyes, haven't seen enough from him. He's still on ELC. So you're not. And what you've no, seen from him so far, he, he can he can produce. Sam Lafferty's quality down down there. You just brought in Gambrell. So is Yarn Crow, if you're not going to do anything with Nylander, if you're not going to do anything with one of your defensemen, is Yarn Crow to get cap compliant the odd man out? You got to do one of two things. You got to either buy out TJ Brody or put him on waivers and then take him back. Or you may have to move a guy like Kyle Yarn Crow. And, and if and either one of those works because I don't think you're in great danger of losing them. And at the at the hit that they have, you probably, people would be more interested in Cali Yarncroft because he's, he's got a lot of potential and he's still only 31. TJ Brody at 33 is not a $5 million guy anymore. He's solid, but as we said about Tavares, you can't pay $5 million bucks for a, for a middle pair defenseman. No. So one of those guys is gonna probably be the fall uh, especially now that they've they've cured the Jake or the Matt Murray issue, and they're solid in goal. So the 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 signing of Samsonov with his um, three and a half million dollar award from arbitration really made things take shape. Once that arbitration was over, now you can LTIR Matt Murray, which they did, and now you're two million dollars off the cap. True. So they're they're manageable. They're manageable. Here's the here's the thing. First of all, two thoughts. Your thoughts on Tree Living doing what, either doing what Dubis wouldn't do, or doing what Dubis was trying to do only quicker. Look, I 
they were done. They were okay last year. They were just not ready to play teams the size of Vegas. They just weren't. They were. They were. And they also this, like the fourth or fifth year in a row, they ran into a goaltender. Bobrovsky had his best five or six games against Toronto. It's the best he's played since he was in Columbus. So, this is a team that yes bounced in the second round. But would anybody have been completely shocked if they went to the finals? No. no. So what they did in, in sizing up the problems of, of grit with Ryan Reeves, with Tyler Bertuzzi, even with Max Domi, bringing Matt Nyes in, these are, these are moves that make you that much more difficult to play below the hash marks. Now you've got that that Felino style that when you play somebody large and that lot that has lots of elbows to throw around now you've got people to do it with and they still have some place in the weeds they still have um, spider Simmons so and this is a guy who probably should be playing more often than not especially down the stretch so I love what they've done for the first time in a long time I love what they've done and to answer your question I don't know behind the door what Dubas was willing to do. I think it was a combination of him not having the same philosophical look as that it takes to sign guys like Bertuzzi and Reeves. But I think he, uh, it looked to me like he was fed up with the scrutiny in Toronto. True. It just, I, and I don't know it. I don't know him. I'm never behind that scene. But he sure looked to me like his body language was, oh my gosh, not another day facing the Toronto media, please. Here's something to, to think about, too. How are Flames fans feeling that True Living's doing for Toronto? What, again, same question about Dubas. He was either unwilling to do or just did quicker for Toronto. Well, look, I. As we've talked about something before. to ponder. Yeah, it's and that's that's philosophical. We'll never know the answer, but we know that the big piece in that Matt Kachuk deal was Jonathan Huberdeau, and he and Daryl Sutter did not mesh. So that was that was kind of a, an error on uh, on True Living's part, but irrelevant because he's now gone. I still think this is a team that could. If they if the goaltending stays solid and they stay healthy, this is a team that should certainly compete for a Stanley Cup. True. Now here's the other thing for you, and we'll we'll transition and start to close out. If they're able to get cap compliant without really changing anything else, if anything at all. Correct me if I'm wrong. You tell me if you feel I'm correct. What that will prove is that this is this is the year for Toronto before major changes have to happen correct Absolutely if they're if correct. they're un, if they're not willing to do other cap related moves a la Tavares or Nylander or anybody else and they're able to get cap compliant this is kind of all in year for them before yeah. major changes have to happen it's win now win it now win right now because yeah. because and I'm probably going to say what you were about to say Nylander wants 10 plus Matthews is going to get 15, 14 or 15. Let's mm-hmm. be real. Those two alone are going to force you to have to blow it up a little bit 
one way or the other. Agreed. Say they're Stanley Cup champions. They now have off-season cap casualties. Say they don't get there. Now you're looking at as close to an almost a Nashville-style expedited rebuild in Toronto because of the cap situation they're, they're, they're in. Here's the good news. You can move one guy and change your whole roster. So you've got you've got probably so if you throw in Morgan Riley, you got 60% of your cap in five guys. That's not healthy. What needs to happen there, unfortunately, and it's going to be somebody who's got to be willing to take the scrutiny, one of those big pieces has to go. They've got this year, they've got through 23 and 24 to get that done because Willie's new deal will start next year. So Matthews, so will Matthews. Matthews, Tavares, Marner, or Nylander, one of them will have to go. Somebody's got to go. There's no, there's trade, mathematically it's impossible. Trade deadline or off season next, next year. Yeah. They will have to go. Yep. I agree. That was kind of my, my point with my statement. So a minus off season grade for me and yeah. first or second. Yeah. First or second. And at least an a minus, I really, okay. really like what they've done. And I've not said that in a long time. Okay, so we're going to close out here with um, some of similar Atlantic Division predictions from our buddy Zach. He texted and, and threw in his predictions. So he's got Toronto first. What? Boston second. Oh! That, mm, love you, Zach, but without Bergeron, I don't, I don't know. Um, but they haven't played yet, so that's, that's a quality prediction nonetheless. Tampa third. Buffalo fourth. Ottawa fifth. Florida 6th, Detroit 7th, and Montreal 8th. Pretty close. So close to our predictions yeah. with, with a number of those teams. Um, he also gave his offseason grades, so let's get down to it. Uh, Toronto, he gave a B-plus for adding Domi and Bertuzzi, and you add Dubis no longer being there. I don't think Zach likes Dubis. <laughs> so um, Boston, he gave a B-minus. Lucic and, and Shattenkirk coming in. But losing Bertuzzi, um, losing Bertuzzi, now losing Bergeron. I'm going to add that in. He he didn't throw Bergeron into his um, off-season grade description. But losing Bertuzzi, losing Orloff. Yeah. So now you have a B minus. He has a B minus for Boston there. Tampa, he gave a C minus. Losing Ross Colton and Alex Kalorn. But. Cooper and their system and leadership is still tried and true. How did, yeah, it is, and he's absolutely right. How did we skip over Alex Kalorn? Correct. How did that happen? And in Florida, we skipped over Ratko Gudis. Right. Well. He was solid for Florida. Yeah, he's a playoff kind of he guy. He was a big body, solid, in-your-face guy. Yep. He was solid for Florida. So we'll say Florida will miss him. Let's just say that. For sure. Um, Ottawa, he gave a B plus. Uh, he said if uh Corpusalo and Tarasenko pan out um, the way they are hoping. It could wow, be it, it could be huge. Yep. Uh, the team is stacked with a healthy Batherson, Nor- Norris, and Pinto. So again, right, Zach right. Zach's right there with us with what we said. Exactly. So um, Florida, he gave a C plus. Uh, besides Rodriguez and Mikola, they added Mikola. Yep. He has no idea what their plan is by si- signing thirteen individual one to two year contracts. Who? Florida. Oh yeah, that's that. That's another one of those. So basically, basically what Zach is saying, if I'm interpreting it correctly, is is Rodriguez and Mikola solid signings, solid depth signings, mm-hmm. but like we said, nothing 
is Game Breaker Standout. No. And basically what Zach is saying, Zach, you tell me if I'm pretty if I'm interpreting it correctly, is that there's more questions than answers in Florida right now. Well, they're, they're, that's another team that's in a pretty much win-now mode. And what, what a dozen one-year deals tells me is that it's just after Matt Kachuk and Barkov and Bobrovsky and a couple other key pieces, this is a, this is a game of musical chairs with everybody else. Correctly. That's, well, that's what he said. He said, in this division, a lot of teams have potential to land in any one of, the, of these positions besides the top two to three. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a buttload of talent and potential in this division. That's what he said. Yeah, um, I is. agree with him with the top two to three. Um, obviously, we our, our prediction differed on having Boston in the top three. Zach, yeah, Zach still sees him in the top three. Not saying Zach's wrong or we're right or anything like that, but that's just where we differ on, at least on our predictions here. Um, Detroit, he has... Um, oh, he didn't give him a grade. Zach, you forgot the grade here, buddy. Um, but he said uh, Detroit's a toss-up for the bottom three to four. DeBrinket and Comfort are going to help a lot. Absolutely they are. They're going to help a lot, but they're still but they're still a toss up with some of the things we said. Yes. Um, and then he has Montreal giving them a C. He said uh, they didn't add or subtract much, but they have a lot of talented young guys with chances to step up and meet potential. Yep. Uh, Suzuki is becoming a strong leader as well. He's a he's a great kid. He's a great leader, and I, you know like that's a team that deserves better. But those are. But they're ju- they're just in a very they're not only in a very tight division, with or without the flat salary cap, but they're also in a division where, where for the past what eight ten plus years, you're you've been trying to make up ground against Tampa Bay and Boston, Tampa Boston Toronto, and Toronto and Toronto. Florida. So and then you got upcomers like Detroit and Buffalo, and and Ottawa. Like Montreal, Montreal could be a wild card in a couple of the other divisions, but this division has got eight of the best teams top to bottom in the league. Correct. In so one, in one group, that's all. In one group. So anyway, I think that covers it for our, our preseason divisional predictions. Good to um, hear from you, Zach. Yes, correct. Congratulations on the engagement, buddy. Um I'll do what I can, and I'll give you more details as weeks go on about being able to make it to the wedding. Um, we'll see how that pans out, but I have every intention of at least trying to. So, um, but yeah, appreciate you you joining us at least via pred- text predictions, buddy. So appreciate it. Um, Pacific, Central, Metro, Atlantic. Real yeah. quick, we've we've covered it all. Let's let's finish with this. Oh no, four divisions. Yep. Percentage-wise, how correct are we at the end of the year? We're always correct. We're always correct, but for the sake of just fairness and, and at least being humble, eighty-five, attempting 90%. to be humble, how how correct are we? Eighty-five or ninety percent. We we know where everybody's going to end up. We you know we even we even called the ones we don't know. Like these guys could finish between third and fifth, so that's accurate. Nobody knows what injuries are going to do. Nobody knows, including coaches and general managers and and Vegas odds makers. Nobody knows who's going to have a breakout year, who's going to have a flunk out year. Nobody knows that stuff. At least 
nobody besides us. Correct. So anyway, our off-season, pre-season predictions and grades are complete. So a lot to look forward to in the coming weeks. Uh, Development camps are already started. Yep. Um, Before we know it, um, physicals and camps are going to start and real, real quick hockey season's going to kick off. So a lot to look forward to. And it's not just the NHL. Um, you and I are advocates for it. I push anybody that listens to tune in to um, Junior A hockey games. Yes. Penticton V's, Trail Smoke Eaters, um, Major Junior, yes. WHL, OHL. Uh, tune in NCAA. NCAA is always, always great. Um Look there, Arizona State is no longer an independent school. They are now in the NCHC with DU and CC and NODAC and uh, Western Michigan. So lot, lot, lot of hockey to look forward to. So NHL is easy to follow. If you're really a hockey fan, I urge you to at least check out occasionally yeah. some, some of these up-and-coming prospect-style hockey leagues like the NCAA and, and junior. So check yeah. it out. Enjoy See the it. stars before they're stars. Correct. And like for, for kind of like Connor Bedard was a roller hockey star as much as he was an ice hockey star. Patty Maroon has won roller hockey championships as well as Stanley Cup now championships. that I can see. Yeah. <laughs> Careful, you're going to sound like Jack Edwards. Oh, ouch. <laughs> um, so anyway, we appreciate you tuning in. What, what are we looking forward to in the coming weeks, though? That's the well, content-wise. That's the, that's the question we always ask ourselves at the end of every episode. What are we looking forward to in the coming weeks that we can put out content-wise? Here's what's going to happen: You're going to see buyouts. You're going to see waivers. You're going to see uh, long-term injury reserve moves, and you're going to see some teams between now and camp scrambling to get to the cap. So. Get ready for a lot more brain damage about things like Gucherov in past years, Matt Murray right now. Uh, there's going to be some surprises because you can't you can't change the cap structure with guys making a million three. Oh. You can only change the cap structure by by buyouts and waivers of guys making four, five, six million dollars, and that always causes a headline. So just be ready for that. It's going to start happening. Now here's the last question, and we'll close it out. It's partly rhetorical just for pondering's sake and it's partly if you have an answer give it um as well as think about it for anybody listening because of the cap situation you've still got guys like matt dumba matt dumba and a number of players like that still out there looking to be signed eventually patrick kane uh, jonathan taze is not playing this year per reports anyway um but dumba and kane being two big ones anyway clearly Kane a little different than Dumba just because of the stage of the career. He could easily sign somewhere for maybe Buffalo or somewhere like that for league minimum. Like He's also he, not going to be healthy until probably November. Yeah. Nonetheless, though, the point is um, you still got big names out there. Mm-hmm. How, what kind of contract does Matt Dumba get? in order to get signed by by the season because if he's not signed yet what it means is what he, what he and his agent are looking for is big money and yeah There's, and and I can tell you right now one because all due respect all due respect and I mean no offense but come on Dumba in is that type of guy he's an Evander Kane money telephone Instagram <laughs> photo type type of guy he's he's not going to want to sign anywhere if, one for not big money and two to not be competitive so 
but those two don't mesh in the offseason. Your competitive teams are already going to be right up against the cap, and you're only going to get big money, if that, in a flat cap from teams like San Jose or anybody else who's on the outside looking in. So how, we'll how does Matt Dumba get signed, and for what? Because that's, we'll that's the big question. He'll probably sign for less than he's worth. And let's just let's just say he's going to sign someplace for four or five million dollars. He'll sign for one year. There's a lot of guys betting on themselves, like and an, betting on the cap, like an Orloff deal in Carolina. Correct. Get to sign one or two for four or five. Get through the flat cap till the cap goes up by five or six in the next three or four years. Right. And then get your big contract. And gamble on yourself to have a big year. Gamble on yourself that year. in those years, in those year or two, you produce well enough that you deserve the big contract, yeah. or that you will get the big contract. I, I can see that. Yeah. He also has to prove that he's not radioactive, and and all off ice opinions aside, that's that makes a difference. So look how it's affected a guy like Evander Kane that you just said. I think Kenny Holland kind of got him straightened out uh, in in Edmonton. And he's been pretty quiet other than what he does on the ice. So Dumba's a solid player. We've watched him ever since he was in the Western Hockey League. So he deserves better, but he's in a bad spot. He picked a bad time to be a UFA. Anyway, you, there's questions around them, these guys, that of what are they doing in the locker room like Duchesne to get kicked out and have to dress in the hallway. What are they doing in these situations? Like Duchesne, all the changes in Nashville, the money he's getting paid, the skill he has, how is he not a guy you want to build around in Nashville as a top six center iceman, and yet he's bought out, see a buy. So there's something there, same way as, as it was in Colorado. There's something with P.K. Subban, why he's never the guy that gets – the long-term contract to build around and he's always traded or bought out you know what i mean yep. so that's it's, to me that's the dumb question it but, matters but i do it does matter whether you like it or not so but i do agree with you i do see at some point a one or two year deal for four or five to get through through this bet on himself prove he's not radioactive prove he can produce prove he can provide and then get 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 his bag in two or three years yes so, exactly right. There you go. Anyway, we're in the Hockey Podcast. We just uh, finished our preseason preview, off-season grades. So let us know what you think. Do you agree or disagree with, with our where we see teams finishing? Um, and write to us, Instagram and Facebook, at Worm the Hockey Podcast and Worm the Hockey Podcast, respectfully. We love to hear from you. We appreciate it. Zach, thanks for, for participating. And, uh, yeah, anything else you want to finish with? I'm good. I couldn't possibly add any more to this. All right, there you go. We're in the Hockey Podcast, and we will, uh, I'm Evan Rauer. We'll see you all next week. Cheers.